Welcome to the Visual Storytelling Podcast. My name is Fred Ranger, and I'm so happy that you're joining us today for another inspirational conversation. Today, I have a very special guest. His name is Kyle McDougall. He's a documentary photographer, a filmmaker from Canada, from Ontario, actually, but he now lives in the UK, and his work has been driven by some sort of a fascination for rural environments and quiet spaces. You might have seen him on YouTube, you might have heard his podcast back then, and most importantly, you might be in contact with his self-titled book, An American Mile. So first off, Kyle, welcome to the show. Thank you, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm so happy today because we get to finally meet and have a conversation. I have so many questions for you, but before we get into the, the nitty-gritty, can you walk our listeners through a bit more on you know who you are and what brought you to photography in, in the first place? Yeah, so uh, as you mentioned, from Canada, currently living in the UK, and photography was something that I picked up uh, around 20 years ago, close to 40 now, so back when I was 20. <laughs> um, nearing 40 not there not quite there yet but uh i actually uh made a, a move out to the west coast uh just when i was around 1920 i went to to uh, live in banff alberta for a while and uh yeah i was just uh really kind of inspired by the landscape out there and decided to pick up a camera and was really kind of hooked uh ever since then and those landscapes really kind of set me down the like initial path with my photography which was like traditional landscape work for uh, uh a large portion of of my like photographic career um so that's kind of where things kicked off and from there i went to film school and um got into filmmaking and worked in television and and uh, had a video production company and kind of mixed both worlds the the filmmaking video world with uh with photography and uh, yeah, for about the past five years now, I've kind of left that that world of filmmaking and video production and have just been doing photography, uh, a lot of it just with my YouTube channel online. That's that's fascinating, right? So some people actually would like to get into TV and for them, this is the, the ultimate goal, but you decided to do kind of a, a shift in your in your career and say, you know what, let's try that YouTube thing. So so I'm I'm interested in learning a little bit more about what drove you to actually say, you know what, let's let's forget the whole corporate thing and let's do my own thing. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's something I think about a lot just because I know like when I first got into uh, working professionally after I got out of school, you know, one of the things that I was always striving for was to do like bigger things, right? Like bigger budget things, work with brands, work with companies, like things, I guess, that I obviously enjoyed, but also that make you kind of feel like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm kind of making it with my craft, I guess you could say. And um, I think I just got to a point where that was not really fulfilling for me anymore. Um, I wanted to just more so go and like pursue the projects that I was most interested in and also help other artists and just do things that um, I guess fed my soul as an artist. Obviously, you still have to make money so you can't, you know, go down that path completely and and whatnot. But I guess like, yeah, in a nutshell, just doing the corporate and commercial stuff uh, just was starting to really lack uh, fulfillment in that side of things. And, and, and was it already like from the get go, something that you're like, ah, yes, that's exactly how I wanted to feel. And, you know, this is 
feeding to your point your creativity or was it a was it a bit of a challenge a struggle a hustle like a buzzword people like to say on youtube how, <laughs> how, how was the start of, of kyle mcdougall on youtube Well, you know, what's funny is I actually, so getting out of like the commercial corporate and also um, like I, I was doing documentary filmmaking, I was doing stuff I really liked, but I was, like I said, starting to feel a little unfulfilled. So uh, I was running a video production company with a partner. I decided to leave that company and me and my wife, uh, we sold our house, we sold all our belongings um, and we bought a truck and a trailer and we just took off uh, for just almost a year. We went across Canada down wow. uh, south into the states and all throughout there so there was no plan like it was almost like wanting to make some changes but we're gonna kind of save up and and plan enough that we can take this year and it was almost a bit of a leap of faith uh just trusting that okay i'm sure we'll figure something out <laughs> when we're away so You know, long story short, on that trip is when I got back into film. It's when I started my YouTube channel because I wasn't, you know, I, I was off essentially for 10, 11 months. So it was a it was a time to experiment. And it was really where I found, um, I would say, like my love of photography again and, it, and uh, like this creative energy that had been lacking for a couple of years. So it was almost like it was by chance, I guess you could say. There was no, there wasn't much of a plan to it, which is sometimes you know, the best way to go about things. It's risky, but you know, it's how it works, Make, I guess. It makes you feel alive, I guess. You're really alive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Nice. And so basically after that, that whole trip, you started kind of a, a second chapter, I would say, to your photography or storyteller career. Um, mm -hmm. What were some of the elements that you were looking at and saying, you know what, I think Here, I can contribute to the conversation because I'm trying to picture myself back then. There was a lot of, you know, gear reviews and a lot of like, hey, here's the camera I'm, I'm using. But you had a slightly different approach to it. And I really enjoyed it. And I, I, I was telling you pre-show how I discovered you through like Fujifilm content and so on, but not necessarily the, the reviews, but more the, the art uh, of storytelling and how you would actually go into those little rural places and try to capture the, the mood and the, and the scene and so on. So what were some of those key elements that made you the, the storytellers that the storyteller that you are today? Yeah, honestly, I think just like, um, I've always just tried to share essentially my journey has been my goal. Like when I started my YouTube channel, there was no, like, I want this to be a thing. I want to do this full time. There was no, like, I need to get views and clicks and any of this stuff. It was more so like, I'm getting back into film. Um, I'm going to share kind of the things that I'm exploring and trying to learn again uh, and trying to figure out, hopefully this will help people essentially. Like this is something I would have been curious about knowing or am curious about knowing and hopefully someone else can benefit from this. And then from there with the channel, I really just, you know, shared things like that. Also, you know, photography trips, talking about my process, talking about the ups and downs, talking about all like the realities of, of the craft. And then obviously still doing gear and tech stuff because it's, you know, truthfully, a lot of that is what people want to see, but also just trying to approach that, not from like, a, is this the best? Is that the best? How does this compare against this? More so just trying to do like really practical stuff from someone who's using equipment to answer questions that people might have. have. So I guess like just trying to always share my entire journey as an artist is the approach that I've, I've tried to take. Yeah, and I guess you're you're a bit like me. You're looking at what what's being 
produce these days in terms of gear reviews and it's kind of boring because all cameras are freaking good <laughs> you know yeah, like all the lenses yeah. are good all the cameras are good the sensors are good like what what can you what can you say outside of this camera's good if you like the way it feels in your hand buy it or or you know use it <laughs> more importantly that, honestly that's what it's coming down to nowadays the i have a the most enjoyable digital camera i've used in a long time is i'm working on a video about it right now but it's an epson digital range finder from 2004 six megapixels <laughs> but the the reason it's so amazing is because it has a, a winder like you have to manually cock the shutter nice. it has like uh it's essentially like a film body with a digital sensor in it so yeah i agree that's the thing nowadays is like we're past the point where we're having these groundbreaking um advancements in technology where they're enabling you to to do something you've been waiting for for the most part so yeah. um yeah i'm more interested i'm like just make stuff that's more enjoyable and cooler to use i agree i agree yeah and but there's one thing though and this is the portion where we we might talk about a little bit about gear but with kyle it's definitely gear that um is worth mentioning because you are passionate i would say about older type of gear especially medium format film cameras and so on so i've, I've watched a lot of your videos on that front so my question is pretty simple why you know so much hassle on shooting these big freaking cameras with so expensive film that goes in it like what's the pro what's the thought process here in 2023 <laughs> Honestly, I, I think like when it comes to gear, one of the most important things is obviously using something that's going to take care of like your technical needs. But more than that, I think it's like, how does the gear inspire you? Um, you know, what does it inspire in your creativity? And a big portion of a film for me was kind of getting back to that point. Like it, I'd been working with digital, I was doing landscape photography and getting back to film, like inspired me to go and do things in a very different way. Um, you know, starting out with a 35 millimeter film camera and like abandoning the tripod and just like almost snapshotting across the American West and shooting in light that I wouldn't before and experimenting with new film stock. So it's almost like, I think as creatives, it's really important to not get too married to your process for too long. Like if it's working, that's great. But if it gets to a point where you're starting to feel bored with things, I think specific types of gear, if that's film, if that's a drone, if that's whatever it is, can really kind of inspire you to go and, and see the world differently. So a huge part of film for me is the process. And uh, I do love love the look and just how, how easy it is to, I, I guess, get to a finish point without having to figure out exactly how you're going to get there from like a look standpoint. Yeah. And is there such a difference between film and digital again a lot of cameras are trying to emulate film we know we know which brand is trying the hardest at, at doing that and we happen to both uh, shoot uh, on digital front that those fujifilm cameras but still in 2023 you you, you see a a, a good enough difference, not not just in the result, but in the shooting process that you're like, hey, I'm going to continue shooting film until until further notice. You know what I mean? Yeah, honestly, like I think someone who is skilled enough can make both film and digital look very, very close. You see this in the cinematography world where like people are working with professional colorists and they're able to emulate the look of film very close. So I think what's easier with film is like i said you get to this point like you get this look fairly easily that's almost like given to you in terms of color and tonality whereas with digital it's not that you can't get to that point it's just that it's really difficult and there's so many different ways you can go and and you know a lot of us um 
would have trouble doing that um, to, I mean, like to get it as like a complete match. So I think with film, you know, I'm a big fan of the, the GFX system. I shoot with that as well with digital um, and, and you can certainly adapt your own style, but uh, yeah, I just think with film, it's um, it's simplifies the process, at least for me, because maybe as well, like I'm someone who has a hard time deciding on which way to go. So with digital, I'm just like, should I do this or should I do that? Or should I apply this? Or maybe I'll, you know, there's yeah. just too many options. So it's hard for me to be consistent, I guess. Film, you're like, hey, whatever film stuck is in there, that's what you're getting. <laughs> yes, yeah, the lens, yes, the camera, but you know. Exactly. There's a pretty consistent look once you establish like what film you like to work with and how you scan it. And for the most part, then you get a pretty uh, a look going forward to work with. And what's your what's your favorite film stock? So it is Portra 400. Uh, uh, that being said, so Portra 400 is what I shot for three or four years when I was doing work for the, the book. Um, but over the past two years, since moving over to the, to the United Kingdom, I've kind of been in a bit of like a experimentation phase and trying to figure out exactly where I want to go from here. So I would, I would still say portrait 400, but I am shooting a lot more black and white nowadays and just, um, trying to lock in, I guess, like a, an exact direction over here. Yeah. I, I guess, uh, can't, can't get away from portrait 400. That's uh there's a reason why it was so popular and, and it still is. And at the end of the day, uh, there's just something, something unique about that, uh, that film stock. And, and again, uh, Lots of other great film stock on the Fujifilm, although Fujifilm, uh, they, they commissioned a couple of those, so that's uh, that's so sad, but uh, they're a business too. They need to, to make uh, business moves, and that's definitely uh, one that was uh, well thought about, but uh, those uh, Pro 400, I, I think it was the uh, kind of the... Pro 400. Yeah, yeah. Pro 400. All, yeah, yeah. It's done. Yeah. Done, done. Yeah, Fujifilm doesn't have much going on anymore with film, which is unfortunate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So let's uh, stop talking about gear and film and so on and so forth, but let's talk about the visual storytelling aspect of your work and this is why i'm so excited to talk to you about this today you're a i would say master in terms of storytelling and i would like to understand your thought process on what makes you create a scene how what makes you tick and say you know what i want to capture this and this will be part of a body of work a lot of photographers don't know where to start to create a project and you are i will say a project-based type of photographer you even have now a book and, and some series that are very, very interesting. So can you help us uh, as photographers get into that mindset of creating stories? Sure. Well, thank you. I don't, I don't think I would consider myself a master. In my <laughs> own mind, I'm tr constantly just trying to figure out <laughs> where to go next. But um, yeah, I mean, for the past about five years now, I've been focused on projects, which is something that came at that shift with my photography because before that I was when I was doing landscape photography it was very much like single image based then grouping things into categories that was kind of like the extent of my organization um whereas getting into film and you know setting down this new path and discovering all this new work you know I became really interested in photo books and uh projects and just how that like how working under a theme or a project can make you see the landscape and your surroundings in a very different way and also have you create work that you necessarily might not if you were just essentially seeking out like say like the greatest hits you know like the the loudest image out, out there that's going to wow people essentially so i'm a big fan of this just because you can there's projects everywhere every single um like person or hobby or piece of history or like anything that's going on 
it just opens up a world visually that uh, is kind of endless. So I, I really like that just because I think working in this like single image mindset um, can be very difficult as well, just because say you don't live somewhere very dramatic, um, you know, you might feel like there's nothing around you to photograph. But I think once you find some sort of theme or project to work underneath, uh, like I said, it opens up just all of, all of these possibilities that you would you would never notice otherwise. And is there a specific project that got you into that mindset? Like, or, or was it a book? Was it a, another photographer? So what what helped you change your approach to from single to visual storytelling, basically? Yeah, honestly, it kind of happened just like over time for me. Basically, what happened is when I was on that trip, um, when we took that year off, we got to the American West and I was just so, I guess, like consumed by this new landscape visually and so excited uh, that I was just shooting nonstop. I was shooting 35 millimeter medium format film. And I wasn't thinking about at the time, I wasn't thinking about like, this could be a project or what's this going to be? Or I, I, it was the most like almost returning to like the infancy of a photograph, like photographic career where you don't really know what you're doing and you're just going out and shooting and having fun and you're not too worried about figuring it all out. It was kind of like that. And after that trip is when I started to think, okay, maybe there is something here. And over that period of time, I'd also got into, like I said, photo books. Um, the work of Stephen Shore was uh, one of the biggest influences on me at that time and seeing um, his collection, um, his book, Uncommon Places. So it was almost like all of these things, just building up a collection of work, starting to get into photo books and then starting to look at that work and think like, okay, maybe there is something here. and then. From that point, I made you know return trips for the next three years or something to to keep working on it. So it's just something that kind of happened, I guess, naturally as I you know discovered a new landscape and discovered I guess like a new genre that I hadn't been introduced to before. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned Stephen Shore because when I looked at that book, I had kind of a similar feeling of like, what you can you can create such interesting visual stories without being like epic stuff that you shoot at sunset and so on and so forth it can be just like a parking lot you know literally or just a scene on the street or just a nice you know visual story that you see in the, in a very regular place you know that you won't necessarily identify as a photo opportunity so that for me is uh, i'm with you on that one that this was a very revealing book um, that and also uh, Joel Meritz, we have to mention it because for for me it was like what how 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 could he did he, he that was not planned that was not a like a movie scene he just like literally composed an image out of ordinary life uh, and I think it was him who said you have a license to see and that for <laughs> me is also something that unlocks something in my brain that again it doesn't have to be an epic shot doesn't have to be something that's constructed or that actually looks super good from a tonality perspective and so on. You can also capture an, a story and you can lead people to, you know, being intrigued or being inspired or being sad and so on and so forth. So, so to make to make people feel something through an image, I don't know for you, but for me, it's, wow, this is very powerful medium we're working with. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Absolutely. And and also uh, for me coming from the landscape photography world, um, you know, where oftentimes it was like you're chasing these like sunset, sunrise conditions, dramatic things using wider lenses, even though I was still interested in more like nuanced detail work and stuff as well. But 
yeah, I think with Steve, going back to Stephen Shore, when I first came across his work, I mean, the first thing is, is it just spoke to me like I was like so attracted to it and, and visually I loved it. But it was also such a departure where it was like these street, like, you know, photographing on empty main street of a town midday with blue skies and sun out. But then you look at it and it's obviously shot with an eight by 10 camera. And it's so like just meticulously crafted from a composition standpoint. And it was almost like it was this entire new kind of world was opened up to me in terms of like possibilities and, and just seeing this work that was so different from what I was interested in for so long um, was really exciting for me. And I feel like I'm kind of at that point again right now. Um, it's almost like another transition phase for me. So are, again, very uh, weird question, but do you consider yourself as being just a photographer or a photographer with a genre? Like uh, 2023 is hard to define First off, what is photography, especially in the world of AI and so on? But do you like to be identified as a specific movement in photography? Or do you prefer to stay as, as wide as you can? Yeah, honestly, I don't. This, this is something I don't think much about. Honest, honestly, the only time I think about it is when someone asks me or when I have to like, yeah. <laughs> you know, if I'm doing an interview and I have to give like a little bio or something. But I, th I would say like I'm still very much a landscape photographer, maybe like a documentary landscape photographer. Because... Yeah. Um, the, all the work for my book was still photographing environments very much uh, like landscapes across the American Southwest, just very different than, than what I'd done in the past. Nice. Speaking about the book, I think a lot of listeners are interested in learning how it came about and what was kind of the process, because it can seem so daunting when you're like, wow, okay, producing a book, assembling it, uh, sequencing it, editing it and also selling it, which is a very important part if you want to make sure you're not losing money in the operation. So can you walk us through a bit more on the process? Because again, a lot of people are interested in understanding how, how that book came about. And by the way, congrats on that book because it's already a big, big, big milestone in the career of a photographer to have a book out. So I want to want to congratulate you in, in person. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, again, like I said, that project, I never started it thinking, okay, I want this to be a book. It was something that um, a couple years into it, as the body of work grew, and I, as I realized there was something there, that's when I started to think more seriously about it. And in terms of how it came together, um, I worked with a publisher for that one, uh, Subjectively Objective, who are based in uh, out of uh, Detroit. And Noah there, who's who runs Subjectively Objective, I just got to know him actually through um, we connected online a little bit and then I did a, a podcast with him for, for my old podcast that I had. And, uh, yeah, we kind of just, um, hit it off and, and the conversation just came about naturally. He was interested in the work. I had submitted some stuff to them before, uh, like single images for some of their, um, uh, like collection books they do. And, um, we basically just agreed to do one together. So for me, that was really important because, yeah, doing a book is, it's a huge thing and it could be very daunting. And I'm very much someone who in the past has always liked to try and do as much myself as possible. And I knew in this world, you know, not having maybe a ton of experience in it, that being able to work with someone who could help me not only like logistically, but also creatively when it comes to sequencing and design and stuff was going to be pretty important. So, um, yeah, Noah played a huge role in it. And, uh, he like for instance he actually did the uh, initial sequence for it and then we would go back and forth and we he would do tweaks and stuff so it kind of 
it was the first time I've ever kind of given my work to someone else and and um, had them put something like that together. But in the end, I absolutely loved it because I think there were a number of decisions made um, that I wouldn't have necessarily made if it were just up to me. And I was inside of, I guess, like my own little bubble with it. So um, yeah, working with a publisher was, was a, a big one, just being able to creatively get the book assembled, but then also just all of the logistics when it comes to even just like, you know, sourcing a printer and sourcing cloth for the cover and all of these things that not that you can't do them yourselves yourself, but it just would have taken me a lot extra time if I had to try and do it myself. And so what would be the the one thing that you learned through the process? Again, you said it yourself. Uh, it's a, it's a long process. It's something that uh, can be daunting, but you went through it. You, you, you know, with your publisher, printed a book that now lives on on the shelf or in, on Amazon or whatever uh, through the publisher. So, what, what what's the one learning that uh, you would uh, give back to the to the community? Yeah, I I think maybe two things. One more of like a practical logistical thing is when you're working on a project, try and stay as organized as possible and um, do things. Try and do things once. Essentially, uh, since I was working. Uh, on this over a number of years and shooting different film formats and I was traveling and I was sending film out to get scanned and I was scanning myself at a later date. Basically, when it, had, when it came time to send away for printing, when we had to do the final, um, like put together the final book file, essentially, I ended up going back and rescanning, I think like 90 out of the 110 images, which took like weeks, essentially, in terms of scanning and converting. So it kind of, It's how it had to go because the project was done over such a long period of time. But now moving forward, working on future projects, it's like stay as organized as possible, as high quality as possible right from the start. So you don't have to go and spend time, you know, at a later date doing things over again, essentially. Um, but number two is just the power of seeing your work as a whole, as a, a sequenced body of work and how that can change how you view your images essentially. So again, there were a number of images that ended up going in the book that if it were left to just me, I probably wouldn't have picked initially. Once I saw them in there, you know, when it was sequenced after Noah did his initial pass and we agreed on things, um, it just, I, I, I just said to him, like, I would have never chosen that image, but seeing it in here paired with something else now, it just works so good. So I think that's really important is maybe don't jump to conclusion with your work right away and try and even on your computer, pair things up, look at things side by side, play around with different things because it will make you um, create images differently and also look at your work differently. And it's so important with a project, I think, to have variety and to have flow and have it not just be this, yeah, greatest hits collection. I keep using that word. But basically <laughs> all of these dramatic wow images one after one. Yes. And having somebody else going through your work, I guess you have to be open to feedback, right? Because that's something, uh, photography uh, can be a bit of a lonely type of profession. You know, you're always in your images and your, you know, in your work and so on. So having somebody suggesting a better way to sequence or to edit the images can be, I guess, uh, a bit of a, a bit of a change in the way you treat your work, right? For sure. And it's super important. I think if you pick the right person or if you connect with the right person whose work you enjoy and whose opinion you respect, it's a lot easier because um, you know they're you know coming at it from a standpoint of trying to help you and, and you 
also trust, I guess, like their vision or their eyes. So not to say that everything was just like, you know, you, you certainly go back and forth and you, I think, make compromises on either end, but it's so important. You can't just live in your own head with your work, um, which is something that's very, very easy to do. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, wow, okay, I've been uh, doing all these stories and so on and so forth, but nobody gave me feedback on it. And and we have to talk about it, but do you consider social media feedback as valid feedback? Is there something about it that you actually take seriously or you're just like, you know what, social media for me is more of a of a tool, even a promotional tool or a platform to connect with others? Or are you actually reading those comments and applying some of the feedback to your work? Yeah, honestly, like I do, I read all comments on videos and on images and I try and respond to as many as possible. Um, but, you know, it's very rare you're going to get like a thoughtful, constructive criticism on your work. It's either people... Um, congratulating you or giving you support, which is amazing. That's, you know, it's, that's really nice to have when you're putting yourself out there and people are supporting you or it's the odd, like just over the top, ridiculous statement from someone. Um, but I think that's just the reality of the platform because you aren't essentially, you know, it's not like everyone's waiting for someone to post a photo on Instagram so they can spend 30 minutes picking it apart and writing like a really well thought out piece of criticism. Like everyone's so busy, you know, on those platforms, just like consuming things, you know, within five seconds or whatnot. So I think um, you can't really expect to to find really well thought out critique um, yeah. on, on those platforms. So um, yeah, I guess that's how I look at it. <laughs> Outside of your, your publisher, so any any other type of platform or forum or space where you get inspiration and conversation that keeps you going i guess uh you know you were you were running a podcast not that long ago that was one interesting place to share thoughts about photography but any other recommendation on where to get inspiration if you've been doing it to your point for 20 plus years how do you keep <laughs> motivated where, where where do you go to to get inspired Honestly, right now at the moment, like, well, like you said, the podcast was huge. I really miss doing that. Just ran, you know, unfortunately don't have the time at the moment. Conversations like this are always enjoyable. Um, but inner, like reading interviews with other photographers and, um, and looking through photo books. But for example, I've just, I have this amazing interview, uh, up cause I'm working on a new video, but it's an interview, uh, with Stephen Shore being interviewed by Alex Soth. So two of my favorite photographers. Um, and it's funny, I read this last night and it, there were just like a few points in it that connected so hard with me and hit on a couple things right now that I've been struggling with. And it's completely, you know, like I woke up this morning, I was like a complete new person in terms of like my energy and, and everything. So I think, um, yeah, written interviews and, and just, trying to, if it's through podcasts or if it's through written interviews, just listen to other people talk about their creative journey and how they approach their craft. Not from a technical standpoint, I think it's huge just because the more at least I find that I can relate to other people and understand like, oh, they're also, you know, this person whose work I think is incredible, who's been doing it forever. They also struggle with this exact same thing. And this is how they dealt with it. That is always huge for me. Yeah, I think that's so important. We, uh, in the lives that we live uh, today, it goes so fast. It can be so, you know, 
difficult to take a step back on the work you're producing. And I think you're, you're bang on when you say that, hey, you know what? Long form media still exists. Interviews, in-depth interviews still exist. It's not just, you know, one image on Instagram or five minute videos on YouTube. There are other ways to get into the mindset of another photographer, relate to other creatives. It doesn't have to be a photographer even. Sometimes just articles or, or conversations like we're having today that are a bit longer than what we're used to seeing these days on social media platforms. I think there's plenty of those and you're totally right. I think I'm I'm inclined to put uh, those links in the show notes, uh, Cal, if you don't mind, because I think it sure. could benefit a lot of uh, a lot of the listeners. But Cal, we are uh, nearing the end of the show, but I want to I want to know what is next for you? So uh, we've been following you for all those years. You've got a book out. You've got, uh, you know, a lot of YouTube videos. You're working on a couple of series. But what are you currently doing in, in London, I should say? Um, trying to figure out what's next. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's, that's a good start. <laughs> uh, no, but I have a few things on the go. Honestly, I moved here three years ago. It was during COVID. Uh, obviously moving to a new country. We had a two month old at the time. We've since had a second child. So like life has changed a lot and uh, has gotten extra busy. And obviously I've dove into the YouTube world full time. So it's been um, a little slower on the, I guess, like photography project front. Uh, obviously I was wrapping up the book, but it's just been this period of discovery and trying to figure out what's next. And I very much feel like um, the work that I was doing in the American Southwest and that style of photography and that approach um, is feeling like maybe I, I'm, I'm ready for another change, maybe not so drastic. So I've just been experimenting. I'm working on a project here called Slate City, which is shot in North Wales, which is uh, black and white, large format work, exploring the old um, slate industry and, and towns out there. But I have a couple other things that I'm experimenting with or just starting to um, that are a, a departure from film and a departure from, I guess, like the tools I've been using and just a little bit of a different way of seeing, but uh, something I'm excited about. So I, I, the further I get in my career, and I guess the older I get, I'm trying to just embrace new ways of seeing and, and new methods, and new directions, and, you know, just not trying to get too locked in like a rigid way of doing things for the rest of my career because i've learned once already that you know sometimes change is necessary and you can't just hold on to something if, if it's not working anymore so yeah well Some things on the go nice and uh, i guess uh, this is a nice way to to wrap up what we just discussed today change is good guys you should uh Definitely. Actually, it, it, it isn't good or bad. It just is, like Don Draper said on Mad Men, I think, at one point. <laughs> but, Kyle, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. It was such a great conversation. If you want to reach out to, to Kyle and myself, please uh, do so in the comments of this podcast. Please give it a five-star review if you like what you're hearing. You can also reach out to Kyle directly. Where, where would you like people to go to uh, see what you're up to for your next project? Where would you send them? Uh, I would say website or Instagram. Perfect. Perfect. I'll put the links in the show note. Kyle, again, thank you so much. And maybe I see you when you're back in Canada at some point. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Cheers. <laughs>